Hey, welcome back to Character Concerns Podcast on the radio. Jay Binkley, Chris Onocero, Julio Sanchez, producing operation. That's right. Tuesday of draft week. Drafts and drafts with Nick. MC yes. and the whole deal. That man's everywhere. He's he is, everywhere. He is doing everything. But now it's time to talk NFL draft like I did a lot last year. His name is Thor Nystrom from Fantasy Pros. And Thor was the uh, 34th ranked uh, mocker last year. Congratulations on that, by the way, Thor. Hi, hey, thanks, guys. Good to be with you. Hey, thank you for doing uh, doing the interview and talking about this nationally. I know you're busy this time of year, but you did a nice mock uh, two round with all the players and their uh, their comparison. You did a comparison yeah. with each player, and you did Will McDonald at 31, the edge uh, from Iowa State. Saying Julian Peterson was his um, his his closest uh, player to him, and you at Marvin Mims who you went to San Antonio Holmes. I do love the Marvin Mims pick. Yeah, Marvin Mims is super underrated, and it, it, it's all based on contextual things outside of his control, which is <laughs> the last two years at Oklahoma, it, it was an offensive un- environment, unlike they had seen the, the several years before that. Obviously, in 2021, Spencer Rattler goes into the tank the beginning of that year. Lincoln Riley seemed to have one foot out the door the entire campaign, and then the true freshman at the very end, and then, Last year was just a joke on offense because Riley's gone. Then you hired the Clemson defensive coordinator. A lot of the players transferred out. They had to bring in a lot of transfer portal guys, whatnot. The offensive environment just went against Marvin Mims. But Marvin Mims, everybody out there knows that Texas has the best high school football in the nation. Look up who the all-time leader in Texas prep history is in receiving yards. It is Mr. Marvin Marvin Mims. You will find his name. Then as a true freshman at Oklahoma for Lincoln Riley, he was a stud that year coming in right away. Then the last few years, like I said, went against him a little bit. But he he, he has – and the other thing is he has sort of a wonky profile as far as like a, a smaller receiver is just a killer downfield. But the latter statement is correct. Like that's just a fact. Um, he's proven that. All three years in college, 35% or more of his usage came on balls that were 20-plus yards in the air downfield. And he dominated during that usage. Like if you were to put the top 10 catches for every receiver in this class together and then pull the public – who has the most impressive best 10 catchers, Marvin Mims would win in a landslide. Like his circus catchers downfield are absolutely incredible. He had one last year. I think it was against Texas Tech. He caught a ball behind a kid one-handed where you're like wondering, like, how did he even see that ball? And even if he did see it, how, how did that end up in his hands where he caught that, whatever? He, he just has some of these crazy ones. And then he goes out and he tests really, really well. He's a smaller receiver that, like I said, killer downfield but it's also proven the concept that he can play on the outside. So he's super underrated. If he's there at the end of the second round, Chiefs don't take that wide receiver in the first round. I, I think you got to think about him. Thor, when you look at the wide receivers, you know, you hear about the, you know, the one first round grade on these guys, which I don't really care about because some NFL teams only have 12 first round grades on anybody 12 to 20. I do think there's going to be a run on them in the twenties from 20 to 31. When you look at the wide receivers, are you really buying the hype? There's only one receiver with a first round grade. Um, well, I mean, that's, it's a two-part answer. I, I don't agree with people that say that there's less than, you know, this year would be 31. Usually it's 32. You have a first round grade on the top 32 guys on your board, in my opinion. Uh, people want to do the, you know, just arbitrary designations with that. But if you were sitting at 32 and your top 13 guys were gone, you have a first round pick by definition, 32nd guy on your board or whatever as, as a first round grade, in my opinion. Um, but, but like, as far as like the receiver class itself, there's there's the four guys there. I, I, I have a different wide receiver one than, than some other folks do. JSN at this point is, is the consensus wide receiver one, but he doesn't have the, the, the superstar ceiling, in my opinion. 
So I actually have Quentin Johnson, a guy that we know well from the Big 12, as my wide receiver one. He's the one guy in this class that has that size athleticism combination that, that is a killer downfield that we know can, can play on the boundary, can beat press coverage, et cetera, where he has the ceiling of that true NFL wide receiver one. But the reason this class is lower than, you know, these receiver class we've seen in the last three, four, or five years, you just don't have those, those tier one receivers, certainly the sure things of it. So in this class, you have the one guy that could be in Johnson if, if he polishes off a couple of things of this game. Then you have the stud receiver in JSN, and then both Flowers and Addison should be good complementary receivers. But I don't think anybody projects either guy as like a superstar NFL player. One of the things that interests me is how you're seeing these positions for wide receivers change so much, and especially specifically for a guy like Jalen Hyatt, who a lot of people have – the chiefs taking at 31 or even trading up for, but this week you started to see, I know in your mock, you have him going 57. I think Mel Kuyper had him going in the mid second round. What is it about Jalen Hyatt? That's causing him to start to fall down some boards. People watching his game film. I've, I've been a Jalen Hyatt truther. Uh, I get, I don't know if you call it truther when you, <laughs> you're lower on it, that, you know, th- this entire draft process, I think people are finally actually starting to watch him on like they had never seen him before. So like, I, I, th- this is just reality. Um, him being a first round pick or whatever, that was not reality that like w- the way that he won, by the way, he only won one year in college. He's a one year wonder, one trick pony where the only routes that he wins on, it's the nine routes deep. And and so like, he has to be this, this absolutely incredible athlete. He goes to the NFL combine. He runs a 10th of a second higher than his prop line at, at the, at, at the sports books. He, he, he was listed at four, three flat. He runs a four-four flat, and then you watch it. Like I said, you watch his game film or whatever. Every single time he was winning on on them nine routes, it was when he had not only the free release. It was he had the the ten yard head start against you know inevitably a strong safety that they had put in the nickel and just played off of him or whatever. So he never got pressed in in college, and he also had the the, the free releases were just a given. But like I said, on most of the routes where he won deep, he had this free runway in front of him, and so like. Um, if, if you look at his production profile, there's only five games this past season. His only good season where he went ballistic. Number one, it was when he was running past DeMarco uh, Hellams at Alabama. DeMarco Hellams was one of the worst power five coverage safeties in the entire nation last year. He, he's a box safety who can't run in coverage. He's not fluid at all. He doesn't have foot speed. That, that's an easy one. He had a 10-yard head start on DeMarco Hellams. If you're on the four fours, you're going to run by him. The other games where Jalen Hyatt went nuts, it was Akron. Uh, Tennessee Martin, an FCS team, and then he got Kentucky and Missouri, I believe, were the other two. Those were the five games where he went nuts. Interestingly, it was those games all occurred after Cedric Tillman, the better receiver and the better prospect in the Tennessee receiving court, after he got injured. I, I, I'm not a believer in Jalen Hyatt whatsoever. Thor, when you look at these receivers, I made this point as well, that you know we could be looking at more production from receivers four through eight than one through four. I mean, when you take the Rasheed Rice's of the world, um, I'm a big fan of, of Mingo at Ole Miss. You, you look at Ta- uh, Tyler Scott that's getting some run from Cincinnati. We're looking at Marvin Mims. You throw him in that category. And Cedric Tillman, you throw these guys in the second second group. Is there any possibility you look at this like me and think, okay, maybe the, the four through eight receivers are better than one through four? Yeah, it, it's entirely possible, yeah. Like if Quentin Johnson, like if he doesn't hit his ceiling, you know, he just becomes like the the pop to top number two guy, but like, you know, d- doesn't become the star. If JSN is relegated to the slot, like like some of us believe, 
if Jordan Addison has to be kicked to the slot. Uh, Jordan Addison was way better in the slot of Pitt than he was on the boundary at USC last year. And then you, the, the, you know, the second tier, if you want to put it like that, really I, I think it's a third tier because I, I, I think the problem with this receiver class is it just doesn't have a first tier. But, but the, the tier below that, those guys, their profiles aren't too dissimilar or they, they aren't too far off for, from some of those guys. They, you know, it might be a guy that, that has an, an athletic thing that, that dropped him down there. It might be a guy like Josh Downs who had the metric ton of production at UNC, but he's a smaller receiver who only played in the slot, uh, different stuff like that. Like, but yeah, it, it wouldn't surprise me at all if some of those guys in, in, in the, the secondary and the third tier or whatever, if they all played one of those guys who went in the first round. Which position do you think has the, the, is the deepest in this draft class? Uh, might be cornerback. Uh, th- this is a really good cornerback class, especially if you want one of those long outside press man corners. That this this class has a ton of those guys. The other one I would say is the trenches um, on on both sides of it. It's another good defensive front class, uh, specifically on the edge, in 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 my opinion. And the last one I toss out as far as offense goes is running back. It, you know, everybody knows Bijan, and then you know uh, Jameer Gibbs, whatnot. But even after that, I think it's really good. My running back, too, is actually Zach Charbonnet of UCLA, who I think is super underrated. I think he's going to be a starting NFL bell cow next year and then for the next, you know, seven or eight, whatever plus. Um, But then, you know, even beyond that, going into day three, you have all these different guys for, you know, depending on the the backfield you need as far as a complimentary guy. There's a lot of teams that will be looking for him. I know you guys root for one of them where they're going to be looking for a complimentary running back on day three. You you guys will fit him with Pacheco probably – um, th- there's a whole lot of guys that fit that profile, depending on the starter that you have right now and the guy that you need to complement his skill set. You, you brought up a guy I really like, Zach Charbonnet out of UCLA. Uh, you comp him to Todd Gurley. Uh, I, I think he's he's going to be great at, at the NFL level. Um, one of the things that is really interesting, I was reading something on ESPN earlier about uh, the value of running back and you know the argument for or against taking a running back in the first round. Obviously, that applies here with Bijan Robinson uh, being a guy that a lot of people are having being taken late teens, early twenties. Um, do you think that he that he is that much better than a guy like a Zach Charbonnet to justify that pick, or do you think it's better for a team that could use a running back to wait and get one of those guys in the second round because they'll be a better value? For for me, I wouldn't take Bijan in the top half of the first round. We we just have too much data, too much information at this point uh, to do something like that. I, he is one of the better running back prospects to come out since I've been doing this, you know, six seven years, whatever. But like, I wouldn't I wouldn't even put him at uh, Saquon's level coming out. They, they had a lot of similarities, but Saquon was twenty pounds heavier. So like, you know, say I mean the Giants made a mistake with how high they took Saquon, but like as far as Bijan goes. If I was a team that desperately needed a running back and and I didn't have many other holes in the roster where I could basically write it off as sort of a a luxury pick that could take me to the next level, yeah, I I would take Bijan second half of the first round. He is that good. Um, But, like, yeah, I mean, like, you know, just in general, in in terms of that, I would be lower on that than, you know, maybe some of these NFL teams whatnot. But, yeah, I'd take Bijan in the 20s or, you know, early 30s, whatever. And then uh, Charbonnet, I, I see him as a top half of the second round guy. I have I have Gibbs right around there, but just a little bit behind um, him. And you know, I, I think you just have to value the position and, and, and what you need and the other holes on your roster. But n- not a priority position for me. And I would certainly be in the camp of no second contracts for running backs. And, and Thor, you uh, really go tied in heavy in the second round. Is that kind of where you think the run begins once the Chiefs pick at thirty-one? 
As far as tight ends go? Yeah, as far as tight end, yeah. tight end runs. Like you uh, love yeah. even the Tucker Craft, San Laporta, all those guys going to sec- uh, boom in the second round. Yeah, I, yeah. the tight end class, I, I think I had neglected to mention the tight end class, which was a mistake on my part earlier when you asked about the best class in this draft because tight end would be right up there as far as best position groups. I, I think there's going to be two tight ends in the first round. Some people think there's going to be three. I don't think Darnell Washington ends up going in the first round just because we haven't seen the receiving profile with him. He only had two catches, 20-plus yards downfield his entire career, and he broke less tackles over his career than, than over his entire career than, than uh, the Dalton Kincaid and Sam Laporta did last season alone. His drop rate in college is also over 10%. So, so for those reasons, I think he's going in round two, but he's one of the better blocking tight ends that we've had come out like in, in recent years or whatever. Coming out of high school, there, there was programs trying to convince him Darnell, play offensive tackle in, in college. We'll take the year. We'll add 20 pounds to you, and you could be a really high draft pick in that. He wanted to play tight end. But, yeah, I, I think he's going to go early second round uh, for those reasons. He certainly has the athletic profile where teams are going to dream on it. But then right after that, you got Musgrave, you have Laporta, you have Kraft. Th- those guys are all just really good tight end prospects. And like you mentioned, the league is going to more 12 personnel anyway. There's a whole bunch of teams where even if they have their one tight end, they don't have the second one. So those guys are going to be prioritized. I, I think all those guys have a good shot of going at least by the end of round two. But if, not, if there's going to be five at least in those first two rounds, but Kraft has a shot to, to slip into that second round. Yeah, this guy I like I like this. <laughs> you really do like him. So going on to the third day here, you have there are a lot of prospects that we see come out of the third day for teams that help them win championships. Who's the one player you think could be the biggest steal on day three of the draft? Well, let's stick at running back because one of those guys you're mentioning was one of the last picks of the last draft. He helped the team win a Super Bowl last year. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that <laughs> yeah, yeah. player, Mr. Pacheco. Let, let's stay with running back. I think the sleeper of this running back class for day three is Evan Hall of Northwestern. Stunned. Very similar. Uh, you know, in terms of coming out of the Big Ten in really bad offensive environments, that's the reason that people slept on Pacheco. He had the obvious explosion on film the few times he was able to get into space. But boy, was that hard running behind that rancid uh, Rutgers offensive line when they didn't have any passing attacks. So every time Pacheco's on the field, they just key on him. But you've seen all that stuff play out at the combine. And again, you'd seen the flashes of it on film in, in those few occurrences where it did happen, where he's able to get into space. Evan Hall, it, it's a similar scenario where the rancid Big Ten environment he's coming out of, it's Northwestern. But Evan Hall, he's the most diverse uh, wide receiver weapon uh, as far as a running back in this class. You can line him up outside. He had one of the highest percentages of snaps on the outside in this class, one of the highest percentages in the slot, receiving yards, receptions, a dot. You, you just go down the line of, of all those metrics. Evan Hall's near the top. He also runs the clean routes out of the backfield, very reliable hand. He's also a super-duper underrated runner, and he's also a super-underrated athlete, although he's proved the concept of the athleticism. Um, people were saying you know, beforehand he's going to run a 4-6 or whatever. That, that was nonsense that was based on uh, things that weren't on his film, based on other stuff, whatever. On film, you could see it when he would get into space. He, he had the wheels. And also, he happened to grow up not far from where I am right now in Minnesota. He, he's a Maple Grove kid. He was a track star in high school. So the athleticism was always there. But like I said, he's an underrated runner, too. He sent his enemies at the gate right away, which he had to at Northwestern because outside of Skaronsky, the rest of their offensive line stunk. So there was always immediate penetration. And he'd do the thing of getting flat down the line, get lateral, and then and then bust it around the edge, whatever. He has that stuff. He has the, the short area explosion, different stuff like that, the lateral agility. I, I think he's going to be the sleeper in this running back class. Yeah, he had 913 yards rushing this year, but 55 catches for a 9.9-yard average. 
So he really uh, extended that uh, passing game. Thor Nystrom, uh, nice enough to join us this year like he did last year. Follow him at uh, Fantasy Pros uh, for great stuff. He's got his uh, two-round mock draft and player comps uh, on that as well. Thor, thank you very much, sir. Appreciate you, boys. Always good talking to you. You too. There's Thor Nystrom right there. Coming next, though, let's react to some of uh, Thor Nystrom's uh, thoughts there, including tight ends. We really need to start getting into. Yeah, the tight we need end to talk, start talking about tight ends. Yeah. Thor has the tight ends just rolling off the board in the second <laughs> yeah, round. Which, I know, right? Which that would, could be when it happens. I think it's very likely. That could be when it happens. We'll talk about that next. You're listening to a 610 Sports Radio NFL Draft Special with Nick Bank and Chris. Check out the Character Concerns podcast leading up to the NFL Draft at Union Station. Available at 610sports.com, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome back to Character Concerns. Jay Binkley with Chris Nocero. Julio Sanchez producing operation. Nick Schwartz back with us for the podcast that's released each and every Tuesday. The draft, uh, draft week's going to be incredible. Tuesday, it starts at Landing and Liberty. Nick Schwartz going to be emceeing a deal. We're going to have Nate Taylor down there, Mitch Schwartz, and a special guest. Um, we have that. Then, of course, uh, Friday we'll be down at Cinderblock Brewery. Yep. For rounds two and three. And, of course, uh, all hands on deck for the first round of the NFL draft. The Royals moving the old 96-5 that night. Yes. So we're clear. That's why we're, we're clear the last next couple of weeks here because of the Royal schedule on Thursday nights, a thin schedule. So we can mix some of this in. Then of course, first night of the draft, we, well, we have to be able to do the draft. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's only stays off except for the draft. I know. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a big night for us. Um, I, I, I know we, both of us are incredibly excited. Nick as well. Very excited to be on the air doing this this coverage here. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. The first round is going. I, I think the first round this year because there's so many questions after really after 15 could be very wild. Yeah, 17 guys have committed to being at the draft, meaning you get the hug from Roger Goodell. Kansas City's going crazy for this. It's the largest footprint uh, of any draft so far. We're talking you know hundreds of millions of dollars. Calling for maybe upwards of three hundred thousand people at the draft. Here I think in it'll Kansas. be. I think it'll be a decent amount over three hundred. I've already 000. seen the airport. They have these signs out there. They've already got the uh, draft inside the airport for signs. You know things coming up in your city. Yeah, uh, which is great. Um, it's what you like to see. It gets you excited when you see that kind of stuff uh, going on in Kansas City. As far as the uh, as far as seeing the draft at the airport. Yeah, I'm. I'm the first round is going to be wild here, especially because the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. It's going to be wild, and it's going to be really good because since they're going to be picking 31, those Chiefs fans are going to get there, and they're going to stick around for a while. As Cameron Taylor from KSHB had tweeted out, over 300,000 fans are expected in the three days, 125 million in total event impact, 10 million in local taxes in three days. You could say... uh, it's a big hit, the biggest event for Kansas City so far. The NFL draft stage will be one of the largest ever built. Organizers say it'll be the same size as an NFL field. Yeah, it's going to be massive. Uh, biggest stage they've ever had in, in draft history. Going to look great. I'm sure we're going to get a, a bunch of photos. You know, the cliched Union Station downtown skyline photo. We'll get a bunch of those. That's becoming the arch of Kansas City. It is, it is. Union Station is becoming the most recognizable thing here. 
because everyone takes that cliched photo. You got to have it in the skyline now because of the parades for the Royals and the two Chiefs parades. It's been about Union Station, and now the draft is there, so it's becoming – you know, that in the World War One Museum just all together. That's yeah, exactly. become a huge part of uh, what Kansas City is. Yeah, that and the scout, too. The scout is another one of the cliched images that you see about the city. So uh, it'll be it'll be really fun seeing the uh, the impact this will have on the city. And it'll just be really fun seeing all the fans out there enjoying and all the other fans for the 31 teams in there watching their team have no chance at winning a Super Bowl. Well, you've seen I'm so glad they decided to move the draft around. Big props to Kathy Nelson. Uh, President and CEO of the Kansas City Sports Commission. He joined us on the uh, character concerns right, a, few weeks uh, ago. a couple weeks ago. Uh, big and instrumental in bringing this, uh, as well as the Kansas City Chiefs and Mark Donovan, uh, bringing this to Kansas City. I mean, all the way from Chicago, being visitors there, you know, putting forth the effort, you know, putting forth the effort, getting the draft, even though the airport wasn't done at the time. Not even close to done when we got the draft. No. But, of course, <laughs> it is now. Yeah. Uh, Nashville had 600,000. Yes, yeah, I'm saying. Record I believe it will be more than what they got in Nashville. I think it's because there's going to be a lot of Kansas City people there. You know how many people at the parade? It's like 1.1 million. Oh, I, I think it's going to so be so many people from Kansas City. It's going to be go down there. tons of people from Kansas City. But you got to you got to count the people coming down from Des Moines. Yeah, that's up, what I'm saying. There's going to be Omaha, a ton of people. There's a ton of people driving Wichita. in. There's going to be a bunch of people driving in. Oklahoma City. A bunch of people here. St. Louis didn't have any damn things. Yeah, they don't don't have a team over there. They they got the Battle Hawks, so they'll they'll probably come over Denver's too pissed at Kansas City getting all the events, including the World Cup. They'll probably still come here and talk trash on us. Yeah, maybe. Talk trash on our city. But over $100 million in revenue, expect the city being the number one event that we have in Kansas City. I'm so glad they decided to move this around. It's hard to believe this is in Kansas City. (laughs) I know. Especially when you start seeing those renderings, like the Airport 80 NFL draft coming Right. Two weeks away. Two weeks from this Thursday. I know. Just, it's it's flying by. Uh, we've only, I mean, we've been doing this podcast for like a month, and it's just flying by. Seeing all, actually, no, 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 we've been doing it for a month and a half. I think we could even get that 600,000. It's just 300,000 minimum at this point. Yeah, I think they're, I think, I think it's a very conservative estimate. I, I think we're going to beat that 600,000. Well, we could. I mean, look at the parade and all the people went down, but it seems like every single person wants to be a part of the NFL draft, and hopefully we'll bring you a big taste of that Thursday night. Right, right. And then I'll, I'll once we get done on Saturday morning, I'll, I'll try to sneak in there in the afternoon and try to go check out some of the events. Well, you've got, got the red there. carpet Thursday night. Dusty will be down there. Yes. Dustman. Yeah, he'll be out there doing the, the hard work talking to all the people that he can. So I'm excited about that. Never know what's going to happen. Never I, I'll never forget sitting in this room in 2017 <laughs> when the Chiefs traded up and you knew it was going to be one of two people, Mahomes, yeah. Mahomes or Deshaun Watson, and a lot of you wanted Deshaun Watson. Hey, Bink, who did – remind me again, who did who uh, did you Mahomes, predict? Mahomes, oh, okay. Yeah. Just in case but anybody there was hadn't heard that the first the Chiefs were getting a quarterback. There was a genuine there excitement. There was a lot of excitement there. <laughs> now somebody to throw it to Tyreek Hill. I was at Utilize a, that Tyreek Hill. I was at a wrestling show, and I, we had it on my phone when the Chiefs, like we were looking at it like nine, okay, still a lot, still a ways away from, from uh, the Chiefs pick. And then at 10, that's when it's like Chiefs have traded for the 10th overall pick. I was like, oh, well, here's our quarterback right here. And I was like, it's Deshaun Watson. And then next thing you know, Patrick Mahomes and everybody at the show was like watching their phones, and so when they picked Mahomes, everyone's like, "Oh, we got a quarterback!" It was, it was, it was really funny watching that. Think about everything that's changed: this perception of the city, yeah, perception of this football team, having Patrick Mahomes. Ever since the Buffalo Bills were kind enough 
And you might as well use that. Kind enough to give the kids to the Chiefs. I mean, they got to regret that. They ended up with Josh it. Allen here later. But I, you know I, what? They would take Mahomes I, in a second. Don't I, listen to them, yeah. whatever they say. I know that they'll say we love Josh Allen. We would not want any other quarterback. But that might be the biggest moment ever. Hundred percent guarantee you, they regret that. Well, think about this. Since since the night they they drafted Mahomes, he spent that one year behind Alex Smith, which had to be incredibly difficult for the coaching staff, knowing what Mahomes was doing. But here's this guy in the football field doing these crazy things that was going to win the NFL MVP the next season. But as a starter, five straight trips to the AFC title game, all in Kansas City in my lifetime. I saw one that was at 93 season, the yep. 94 AFC title game in Buffalo. And there was so much excitement around the city, but that was the one time. And I'm talking having miserable season tickets in the eighties, yeah. taking the bus down there and everything else. But they have five of these where Mahomes is now taking you to three Super Bowls. So it's no longer just watching other teams, betting on other teams. When you gather, you know, with your friends and family to watch the Super Bowl, you're watching the chiefs in this game. Think about everything that's changed two Super Bowls. Well, you've been the three, but you've won two. You've had the two parades because of Patrick Mahomes beating Kansas City. That is how important draft night is. Yeah, I mean, that's going to go down Change as the like... the whole look that, of the city. That trade is going to go down as one of the most monumental trades, especially if the Bills never win a Super Bowl with Josh Allen. It'll go down as one of the most monumental trades in the league in league history. And, and then the fact they got Orlando Brown from the Ravens when they didn't have right. a left tackle. I, you, you have your own opinions on Orlando Brown. But the guy was a serviceable starter, started two Very years serviceable. Serviceable they, is the right word for him. And they won a Super Bowl with him. But not only that, they sent pick 58 with it as well, which turned into Nick Bolton. So, yeah. yes, you got Nick Bolton out of that deal, too. Yeah, you got you got your uh, your your best player in your in your linebacking core there. So, And he helped you win a Super Bowl with that uh, with that fumble return for a touchdown. It's Brett Beach, baby. It's what we're talking about. You got to do it in the draft. You got to do it in trades. You got to do it anywhere, Julio. 300,000 people. You know you'll be one of them, Julio. I know you got a baby coming, but... Uh, I know you'll be down there. I'm going to make time for this. Why yeah, not? you have to. Like, you name your kid draft. No, don't do that. I mean, that's kind of catchy. I'm don't. Not lie. It is no, catchy. it's not. No, it's not. Don't know if that's going to be allowed. No. She, little little Jalen? <laughs> she no, will not let you name no, your kid. No, <laughs> she will not let you. No. It's veto immediately. Plus, that's, that sounds like more of a, a boy's name than a girl's. Yeah, it does, it does I, sound like I, a boy's I, name. Go both. Could be no. unisex. Could I named my daughter Spike, so. You said what? I named my daughter Spike, so who cares? Okay. Girls, boys, didn't matter. No, he can't do that. He, boy, you pick one name and you He's stick out of control. with it. It'll get shot down immediately. Spike. Great name for a girl. Absolutely love it. Coming up next, though, we're back to the fourth <laughs> round of our mock draft. The pick after Deuce Vaughn. Where do we go next for the Kansas City Chiefs? You're listening to a 610 Sports Radio NFL Draft Special with Nick Bank and Chris. Check out the Character Concerns podcast leading up to the NFL Draft at Union Station. Available at 610sports.com, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, welcome back to Character Concerns. Jay Binkley with Chris Sarah Julio Sanchez producing the operation. Nick will join us for our Character Concerns podcast coming up on Tuesday. We might just keep that bad boy rolling all year, you know? The draft is a gift that keeps on giving. It is. What Clark Griswold say all year round. Yeah, there's a lot of things to talk about. It's football. You both have issues. That's not true. We concerns. don't, we don't have, you have. We don't have. Concerns. We don't have really. I mean, Bing, appropriately named. Bing kind of. I've got a few. Podcast. Bing's got a few. I've got a few. Name of the kid Spike. Year round draft talk. What's wrong with you two? Hey, we're football guys. 
You know, it's fun. Doesn't I mean, be. like watching college football Saturdays. Yeah. I'll never forget, man, our, our late friend, uh, Trez Paler. You know, sitting there. He was hey, a football man, head. Check he this was guy a football the old juice team. Just yeah. texting him back and forth. And, he was yeah, a football this head. Guy, you watch this guy. You watch this guy. It's so much fun. He, he was a football guy. miss that guy. It's this time of year, this, this Trez season, man. Yeah. Yeah. This this is where he specialized right here. Or NFL general managers looked at his old juice team. And the Chiefs went on a run with draft they juice did. guys. They did. They like four or five years yeah, in a row. Yeah, they, they, they had a lot of juice guys on their team. Yeah, so uh, Therese with his all juice team. That was, yeah, uh, he, great he had an eye for talent. Yes, it was always it was always fun listening to him talk about football. He loved doing it. Absolutely loved the NFL draft and everything. And so, um, man, I wish he could be here for this. Yeah. Man, I wish he could oh, be man, here. Oh, man, I wish. Yeah, it'd be great if we could have him on here talk. Oh, man, that'd be great. Mm. He'd be all over it. Uh, round yeah. four, uh, pick 122 because the Chiefs have two picks in the fourth round. I don't think they'll keep both picks in the fourth round, Chris. I, I think mean, it's very possible yeah. they but could use one or one or both to move up. You went deuce. This, yeah, I went deuce. You went deuce, first. Vaughn. And a lot of people like this pick. It, it's funny. It's so split. Some people obviously hate it. They loathe it. And some people I understand. Love it. I mean, I understand. Some people absolutely love it. I, under, I think a lot of but the this hatred. Is gonna be, this is going to be coming from, inherently from his heart. What kind yeah, of player he is. I think, the, I think the reason why a lot of people didn't don't like the deuce pick is because of Clyde. Because they're like, oh, you drafted. But that was a first rounder. Yeah, I understand, but I think I think there's there's a little bit of of hangover about the Clyde pick. And even though, again, three rounds difference, significant change, you know, difference there. I think a lot of it is is that part of it is also his size, because he's five five, hundred seventy nine. You know, little dude. You don't see very many guys that are are under five foot eight playing running back or playing in the league in general. So I understand. But there's a reason why this guy is in the draft in the first place. So round four, the second pick, it's pick 134 for the Chiefs. They had pick 122 in the fourth round as well. Pick 134 is the second to last pick in the fourth round. It's essentially a fifth round pick. New England, uh, the last pick in that round. Chiefs, second to last pick in that round. This is a guy that Chris wanted. I wanted Chris him wanted, back. But Nick, you know, he, he, he gave went, me a promise. He, he promised, he promised me. that he'd still he be would there. take this guy. And there was a run on tight ends. There was yes. a run on tight ends. And getting this guy at this position is great value because let's be honest, when all said and done, he could end up being people look at him as a second rounder. Yes. At this third rounder, at the least with Zach Koontz, uh, the tight end from Old Dominion. Yes, Old Dominion, the team that went three and nine last year. Not a lot of visibility, but. He's six foot seven, two hundred and fifty-five pounds. Ran a four-five-five forty. Nick went this. You would have gone the same direction. This is the guy I was. I went tight in the second round, the first month. Right, right. You took Tucker Craft out of out of South Dakota State. So this was the guy I was going to take originally with the with the first fourth round pick, but Nick promised me, and he fulfilled that promise that he would take him uh, if he was available because he thought that the value would be there at the end, at, at pick one thirty-four. I trusted him. He made the move. He was there. He took him. Uh, so Zach Koontz, he's a, a former Penn State commit who was very highly coveted. Didn't quite work out there at Penn State. Injury issues. And then uh, I believe it was the former offensive coordinator there. Um, left the school. Went to become the head coach at Old Dominion. Took Zach Koontz with him. We see that a lot in college sports. Uh, coaches leave, go somewhere else. They take some players with them. Koontz was the guy that he took with them. Um, Koontz is incredibly athletic if you didn't get that message from Bink already. Uh, four, five, five, 40, uh, 40 yard dash. He is, he tested incredibly well at 
pretty much every test. Extremely long range. Just amazing. He's got great catch radius. He's he's very fast, obviously. And the Chiefs like 12 personnel. They love and, – and, and it's not so much like him playing like a you know tight end at the end of the line. He's basically what, what Travis Kelsey is right now. He's a guy that you can line up wide. You can play him as a wide receiver, and he is able – in the, inside yeah. the 20 guy. He, he's a guy, he can run routes. He's a guy that can beat guys in man coverage. He's a guy you can throw the ball up to and, as you, as you just said, you know, win, you know, win those 50-50 balls. This is a guy that just does everything that the Chiefs covet out of Travis Kelsey. I'm not saying he's going to be the next Travis Kelsey. I'm just saying that he's got the athleticism that if he, if he builds the skill up, he could be the heir apparent at tight end. So Color that's why I know like agree to me. Yeah. So to recap what we've done so far, Jalen Hyatt, the wide receiver of Tennessee, was round one, pick 31. In the second round, Derek Hall value. Again, Nick's, Nick did a great job on getting value picks. Derek Hall there. Tons of tons um, of great value here. For the me. edge. Third round, Trey Palmer, the wide receiver from Nebraska, ran a 4-3-3 at uh, six foot at the combine. Chris goes Deuce Vaughn in round four, pick 122. Nick goes Zach Coons, which again was a value because – you know, Chris really won in 122, but all the tight ends were falling off the board. They were. They were falling off the board at this point, but you still get one, which I think is great because, again, in three or four years, you don't want to be looking back going, why did we take a tight end? Yeah, this is a rare. Are you happy with Joe Fort- Jody Fortson, Noah-, Noah Gray, and Blake Bell? Are you happy with that room? I mean, long-term, no. If Travis Kelsey misses the game, you sweat it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, no, I think, and that's why I think it's very important for them to go and find a great athlete at that position in this draft. Not you don't see that many draft classes with this level of depth at that position. So this is the time to take advantage of it. Round five, pick one sixty six. This is my pick, and I know this is strange, and I really didn't want to do it. <laughs> I know I you didn't want to do. I it. wanted to do a defensive line. Cameron Young was still out there. A lot of people he's mixed on him. I've seen him work from the fourth round to fourth not even the seventh. At all. Yeah, yeah, to even undrafted. But yeah. even like Chet Ryder liked him. I think he's, he, he did. He did early on. But I went Nick Salivary from Old Dominion once again. Three and nine football team. 6'6", 318 pounds, but he's got the versatility. He can play everywhere in the offensive line. Goes to the tackle. People are thinking more. He plays guard in the National Football League. I think this is a, a guy you put out there, and at his size, you put the running back behind him, even though he's right. got to work on the run, uh, eating the runs as far as blocking. But, uh, you know, has the versatility to play tackle. Not only that, they're thinking he could have the versatility to play center as well. Basically, he's Nick Allegretti. Nick Allegretti came back to Chiefs on a one-year contract as somebody you'd have longer than that. You say, what about, why, why Nick Saldaveri? Well, this is Jim Nagy from the Senior Bowl. He's saying he isn't a true sleeper because he got a Senior Bowl and Combine invites. Most NFL teams had a fourth or fifth-round grade on Saldaveri in November, and sounds like he will go in the third now. So if he's last uh, in the last three, if he gets picked on the day three, that's a tremendous value. Tom Pellicero. From NFL Network, even said sleeper no more. Old Dominion offensive lineman Nick Sadaveri in the midst of private workouts with 15 teams. I'm telling he's you. getting a lot of demands nearly half the league. Yeah. He's doing private workouts for. But it's a guy that Reed covets, Navitz covets, that could play guard, tackle. And, hey, if you need him you know, to step in at center for a pinch, which you don't really have to worry about that yeah. with Creed. But he could do it. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a Nick Allegretti pick. And, and maybe even someone they see as a starter, they don't see Nick. As a starter, he's a good backup for this football team. But Sutter is a guy that could start. So 
finally got the offensive line, which I think is a good value to pick him in the fifth. Yeah, if you were to get him in the fifth round, he'd be an excellent value. And that again, looks weird for Old Dominion. I know you were. I know you were two times in a row. But again, the big thing about about him is that he's a great athlete that was at a smaller school. And then in the case of Kuntz, it's the same thing. He's a former Penn State guy, though. So it, I, I think this is where you take your shots and you get great athletes that you think you could coach up into professional players. And by the way, this mock did get a B+. Plus. From Pro Football it did. Focus. It so did. It got a better score than it first mainly, The only reason why it wasn't an A was because of the Jalen Hyatt pick. They gave a D minus. Oh, Because they, they have a value of 59. I think they're going to be wrong. Just, I think they're going to be wrong. Just too. remember this. Pet, a lot of places gave Pedro Mahomes and the Chiefs a C minus. Yes. Yeah. When they made that slide. All you think Mahomes grades. is a C minus? Yeah. No. Uh, picks, round six, pick 178. This is from you. You go back to edge. You go San Jose State. So, again, we're not getting guys from all the bigger schools. We're just getting football players. You want to you want to try you want to try to say his name? You go. You're going Fahoko. <laughs> you, <laughs> Viliami Fahoko, who's an edge rusher out of San Jose State. Uh, this I kid, yeah. <laughs> I'm the only person who said his name on our podcast. <laughs> on our podcast, I'm the only one who's actually said his name. Nick was like, Chris, you say it. Um, but yeah, this kid is. I don't know if he's going to. I don't think he's going to be a starting edge rusher in the league. I think he's more likely going to be a Mike Dana type uh, rotational guy that Which can play fine, inside, outside. He gave me some good reps. Yes, he is. I'll say this: I don't know if he's an athlete at the level that you would like for an edge rusher. He's got moves though. He could spin. He can. He he's he's got a, he's got a good uh, rip move. Like this guy does. He does, he's got a lot of moves, and he can play inside. He can play outside. Big kid, two seventy six. Um, six three love rotation. They, they love the arm length in, in him. He's got you know, almost 34 inch arms. He does everything that they like, which means batting the ball down. Yes. Which Chiefs were first yes. in the league. doing Exactly. That they love guys like him that are versatile, that have good size to him. He could probably put on a few pounds and, and play on the inside if they really need him to. Um, they like moving guys around. We we talked about this. We've talked about this all the whole time we've been doing this podcast. Three, five, seven. Moving seven, guys eight. around. Play the three tech. Play the five tech. Play the seven tech. Being able to do that is so important in Spag's defense, and this guy can do it. So we go another edge. So there's two edges uh, taken so far. I, I've seen some people look at this mock draft. Go, what was your defensive players? It's like, well, we just gave you. Derek <laughs> Cole's our second pick yeah. and edge, and Chris goes edge here. Yeah. Then round six, pick two seventeen. Back to defense. For the Character Concerns uh, podcast, Corey Trice, the cornerback from Purdue. This wouldn't Nick Schwartz made this pick. He said this was uh, purely a value play for me. Trice is routinely being mocked in the fourth or fifth rounds. I will say this though, against this Purdue defense, that's where uh, that's where uh, Trey Palmer had his big game, two hundred thirty-seven yards. Yeah, he smoked Purdue him. defense. He smoked them. And he says no brainer for me. Seems like the naked eye. The Chiefs are set at cornerback, but will Jerry Steen's contract set to expire? And the jury's still out on some of the younger players in this group. Trice could provide some quality depth late in the draft. There is nothing, and I mean nothing wrong, with taking extra cornerbacks. In a, again, wide receiver, cornerbacks on defense as far as a passing league. you got to be able to throw to it, and you got to be able to stop it. I don't think you can ever have too, too many receivers or too many corners. They had I, four rookies playing, the Chiefs did. I think backs. every team should take a receiver in a corner every year in the draft. I think every year. Just because of how important a position is, how important it is, uh, how how expensive the positions are becoming, I think you should take one every year. Unless you're like, unless you just traded a bunch of picks and you've got four picks and you got some real uh, serious needs to address, I think every year you should take 
a a uh, corner and a receiver. So this is a good pick, I think. All right, seventh round comes up for us next, and what will the Chiefs do in the <laughs> in the seventh round? They have picks two forty nine and two fifty in the seventh round. There's two hundred and fifty nine selections. In the, in the draft, so it's basically at the very end of the draft. Both picks, 249 and 250, just right next to each other for the Chiefs. Back-to-back, do they make them or not? Because last year, the seventh round, they had success in the seventh round. Jalen Watson, who gets two interceptions in the postseason. Isaiah and Pacheco. Isaiah Pacheco in the seventh round. So the Chiefs do value these. People look at these as throwaway picks because the Rich Hill trade chart, these guys get one point. One point, so trading the seventh round picks, not even like trading a pick. Which direction are we going to go? We'll tell you next. You're listening to a 610 Sports Radio NFL Draft Special with Nick Bank and Chris. Check out the Character Concerns podcast leading up to the NFL Draft at Union Station. Available at 610sports.com, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts. We made the switch to hip-hop now? Yeah, this one right here goes out to our Something new. Yeah, switch it up a little bit every now that was, that, was, that was the extent of my... Uh, you ran out of rock songs to play? <laughs> I can suggest the rock library. songs for you. <laughs> I, I can hook you up with some titles to play. Hey, big, shout out, big shout out to uh, Josh Klingler. He left me some uh, some uh, space dust. Yeah, he hooked, you, he hooked you up oh, after he, he stole your he beer. St- he stole my beer that Henry left me. <laughs> yeah, Lake left you some beer and he stole it. Uh, so I you, didn't you hear this story. Did yeah. he just, it was sitting there and he just took it. Yeah, he just took it. He, he just took, took it, his beer. Good, good beer. Kling, uh, Kling got me about good beer. All right, Chris, we're at round seven, pick 249. I was on the clock. This is your again. pick. You know what? It was my pick, but here's the thing. Your name's on this, too. It is. It is. Well, your name's down by the pick. This is, this is Jake Binkley at the but end of the description. We're all going down with the show. This is Jake Binkley's pick. We're right all here. going down. <laughs> so here's the deal. I, all right. Andy Reid covets, as we said, and he covets somebody to experience to play left tackle. That's why they traded for Juwan. This is one of those hear me out. Juwan Taylor. This is one of those hear me out opinions. It's not going to be good. Hear me out. Real the quick. quarterback got that I really like that you subscribed to earlier because I went in the sixth round. Six rounds, Stetson Bennett. Which I go Stetson, yeah. which, which I people, like. Some I like that say pick. fourth round, the seventh round. They, yeah, he's some gone people think this. he's undrafted. Like he was I, gone on this. I, I like the Stetson Bennett. Pick. He's got good speed because. Andy Reid covets a backup with experience. It's just like with Chad Haney, he goes that 98-yard drive against the Jags. He delivered that pass there to beat the Browns. So it's bringing somebody in that's played in the NFL, maybe not the best, but it's played in the NFL. And they want a veteran quarterback. And I still think one could end up here if they don't go through the draft. You know, like a Chase Daniels, somebody like that. That Randy Dalton's gone now. So oh, Carson Ch- Wentz is still Chase too expensive for the Chiefs. No, he is with his experience. Plus, he's a TV guy now. He does a lot of NFL Network stuff. Even during the season, he did. Well, yeah, he wasn't working. But, so, it leads me to this. A, you settled on Shane Bouchel. He's the guy. What, he run almost a five five flat, something like that? It was a 40 I, I don't know Shane Bouchel's but, 40 time. <laughs> but uh, here's the... What was, what was his 40 time? Was it near five? <laughs> it's definitely a five-something. It was... Uh, it wasn't uh, it wasn't great, but one thing is, and I know this is silly because you say, "Why are you getting a quarterback when you got Mahomes here?" You got to have a backup, man. This said four nine six for it, four nine six. So Ooh, just you barely gotta, above, barely but, below five. But you got to have a backup because you don't throw your season away if your starter gets hurt, and you don't want your backup starting anyway. Nobody does in the National Football League because you don't win if your backup's playing. But I won the guy. The reasons I chose Stetson originally was because he's played in back to back national titles. 
He's, he's one of four quarterbacks in the history of the game to win back-to-back national titles. He was MVP in both those games, and he was SEC MVP this year. So he was gone. So I went Max Duggan, quarterback at TCU, because how tough he is. Not only that, he's almost 6'2", 6'1", almost 6'2", but he runs a 4'5". Finished second in the Heisman, but he's tough. If you want a guy to come in, get the football, pick up that first down, but he's beat Michigan in the playoffs. So he's played in big time games. I mean, and what happens is if you're coming in for a drive, you want somebody. And if you're not getting a veteran quarterback, that's faced to fire the national football league. Give me somebody with big game experience. That's that. I want that instead of like I mean, somebody out of Stanford. He, he, he's won one big game in his career. He, he lost to Kansas State in a Big 12 title game. He beat him earlier in the year, though. But he lost to them in the big one. Yeah, you know, and he got all, smacked by Georgia. In the top. He got smacked. He didn't lose to Georgia. He got smacked by Georgia. Well, that's a team game, Chris. He got smacked all. He, he didn't play well in that Last game. Last time he, I checked, he didn't play game. well. I'll say this. I agree with you on quarterback. I do think they I should. I want somebody with experience. I think uh, well, all these guys have experience. Um, big game experience, not playing. I he, he's Kentucky. got he's got one big game win in his career. I will say this: I I there are other quarterbacks I would much I would them I would much rather they take if they don't get. My Stetson, choices are pretty thin. If they don't take Stetson, I like Malik Cunningham at a, at a Louisville. I Duggan doesn't do it for me, but I understand where you're coming from. I do think I agree with you. The Chiefs need a quarterback. That's a, a backup that they can develop long term. Well, Tom Brady, you know, they take Ryan Mallett, they take yeah. Matt Castle, they flip them for you, picks. Yeah, they, that, but like more so than anything, we saw what happened to the 49ers in the NFC Championship game. I don't want that to happen to the I Chiefs. I think they got Brock Purdy that just threw a dart, got the last pick in the yeah, draft. Yeah, that's, that's highly unlikely. Like, hey, you know what, Mr. Ellen, boom, Brock Purdy, he's a starter. Yeah. He, he's the starter, and um, we know how good the Niners were this year despite him being there. Then the last pick, that was pick 249. And Chiefs have one more pick right after that at 250. And um, this is your pick, Chris. This is my guy. And it's a local guy. Play, I mean, collegiately locally. Yeah, he, uh, and he, he was at actually. It's Julio's guy. Stuff. He plays for Julio School. Uh, Lonnie Phelps, edge rusher out of KU. Senior Bowl. Huge, huge yeah. year for his upside. Yeah, he is He's not the prototypical size the Chiefs like. But once they start getting, once you start getting to this range, like, again, Mike Dana is not the Chiefs' prototypical size either. Um, and you're just taking a shot in the dark. Lonnie Phelps is a guy who is in, I mean, we talk about like Nolan Smith and uh, Adetomiwa Adebaware and, and Kalijah Kansi and guys like that. This guy's just as athletic He's as got athletic 25 as those guys. sacks the last two years. Yeah, like four, five, 40 speed. Um, this kid is, he ran a four, five, five, 40 times, same as Zach Koontz. And he's, he's, you know, probably not going to get, he's undersized, probably not going to get very much bigger. Again, you're talking seventh round here. But this is a guy that you're drafting just to take a shot in the dark. Maybe he becomes a rotational guy. Uh, he's a very strong kid. A lot of reps on the uh, on, on the bench, 31 reps. That's Leo Chanel level reps on the bench. This is a guy that could do a lot of things for you if you develop him, and he just becomes a rotational guy. He has a lot of value for you. And it's a seventh-round pick, so. It know, doesn't matter. It's a seventh-round pick. You're Chiefs probably not going to hit on they, it anyway. They, well, sometimes they hit on him. Sometimes they don't. Last year was a yeah, year where they you, actually hit on the seventh-round picks. Again, to me, when you get to 249, 250, you're throwing darts to somebody yeah. you don't want to fight for right. with undrafted free agents. I will you say this. Fight other, you want him them to be yours. If, if Hunter Lukey were available at 250. He would be my go guy. There too. He would be my he was not available at 250 for us. He got drafted early in the early 7th round. 
That's the guy I would really want. North Dakota I would, State. I like his versatility. Back, tie in, wing, I mean, it does everything. He can run. He can catch. He does everything. Um, so that would be my guy that I would like in the seventh. But he wasn't available. So let's go with a great title uh, MVP. Right. So let's go with a guy who's a great athlete, great physical, uh, great tested really well physically at the combine. So that's why I went with Lonnie Phelps. Makes perfect sense. In the full uh, mock, there is up at six ten sportscom All three of them are actually on there as we went to uh, national Anton Harrison uh, was my pick in the, yes. the old 31 pick 1.5 in the first 1.5 was him. We'll take a time. When we come back, I want to get back to this, this uh, tight end. Uh, Thor was talking about the tight ends. I do see tremendous value. Not all the tight ends. Some of the tight ends. We discussed that next. You're listening to a 610 Sports Radio NFL Draft Special with Nick, Bank, and Chris. Check out the Character Concerns podcast leading up to the NFL Draft at Union Station. Available at 610sports.com, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts.